This is Henry Jones Sr. You're listening to the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade episode on Treks in Sci-Fi with your host, Rico Dosti. You call this archaeology? Oh, thank you, Rob, for that great intro for, yes, this is going to be the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. This is Rico, your host, and it is podcast 318 for February the 13th, 2011. Yes, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, so all you guys out there, get your sweetheart, your wives, your girlfriends, whoever uh, that uh, you care about in the, of the... Uh, you know, well, I guess it's not just the guys. I guess girls can get guys things, but I don't know. It seems like it's mostly the other way around usually, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I sent Lynn a little uh, something that I think she's going to like. We're going to uh, talk over the phone later while she opens it that I had mailed to the house. So um, looking forward to that. I told her we should maybe do it today just a little before Valentine's because the next time I'd be able to talk to her would be you know, like tomorrow after work and Valentine's Day would be pretty much almost all the way over. So, and you guys are all just dying to learn all that kind of personal stuff about me, right? Anyway, today um, on Treks and Sci-Fi, we did Trek last week, did Voyager. I try to mix it up, as you guys know, and and cover a variety of things, television, movies, and stuff. And I've been working my way through the Indiana Jones films uh, probably, I guess, this year. I think, well, actually, I think I started the Raider. I did the Raiders one, I think it was late last year, and like, um, well, not, I guess you could call it two years ago. I think it was late 2009. And then I did Temple of Doom, I think, over the summer, didn't I? Something like that. And then, uh, obviously, I'm doing Last Crusade today. Well, whatever it is, I'm up to the Last Crusade. And this, you know, is a great movie. The I'm a big, big Indiana Jones fan. I mean, it pretty much goes Star Trek, Star Wars, Indiana Jones for me. And to to be able to do a podcast about these movies is always a lot of fun. Pull out my fedora, slip it on, and just, just go to it. It's just great. I would, uh, you know, well, I'm going to get into that more during the podcast and talk about what I think about the movie and Indian in general and a lot of other things. So uh, sit back and uh, let's get to it. Well, welcome to the show. Once again, everyone, I always just want to say thanks for um, coming back or maybe your first time to listening, uh, to listening, <laughs> listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Welcome. Uh, yeah, we usually talk about geeky topics, Star Trek, Star Wars, Indiana Jones this week, uh, all kinds of television and movie talk. We've got to do another Skype chat soon. have got to get that on the schedule. Maybe uh, 
maybe for sometime next month or in the next month or two. Uh, what's been going on with me, I guess, this week? Uh, not a lot. It was a kind of a tough week work-wise, I felt like, just because we, we have had some really bitter cold. Here's your weather report from Rockford. It was uh, a couple of mornings. It was about negative 10 Fahrenheit or so. It was uh, with a lot of wind and, and just nasty, although we've gotten a break now. We're above freezing, uh, above a freezing point, so uh, some of this mounds and mounds of snow are gonna, is going to melt away. And I guess from what I'm hearing is is we may be above freezing most of this week a little bit. So who knows? Maybe we're going to get a bit of a thaw here. I, ho- I hope so. Definitely seeing more light each day, which is nice. You know, that's the hardest part to me about winter. One of the hardest things is just the lack of daylight. Uh, we've had some sunny days, but it's been really cold. So anyway, that's your weather report. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, I've been keeping up on on the television that's been going on, the genre stuff. Uh, still watching The Cape and enjoying that. No Ordinary Family v. Smallville has been great the last couple of weeks. Uh, they had a cool thing on the most recent episode of Smallville where there was this... Uh, uh, little, uh, they put a little word out a while back for fans of the show to to send in uh, video clips of themselves, uh, sort of supporting the blur, which uh, Clark slash Superman. Well, he's not Superman yet on the show, but that's what he's called. He's called the blur because he moves really fast, obviously. And they, it, but they they use these fan uh, little bits in the show at one point, maybe about played about six or so of them. Which was kind of cool, uh, nice, nice little touch to the fans, especially in its final season. Uh, Fringe is still great. Star Wars: The Clone Wars has been fantastic the last month or more. Uh, they've had a couple of good arcs of stories. Uh, two, I guess you, could, I guess they were both about three episodes. Yeah, three episodes. Uh, it's it's really been great, uh, especially since it's it, it it's like it's two different seasons. The Clone Wars, the first part of the season was was not like this at all it's it's like a completely different show almost it, it's just but but it's really been great I, I i've enjoyed it a lot i gotta do another maybe uh podcast related to that at some point in time maybe after the third season is over with we'll do one covering uh the clone wars in the past season a little bit uh, that should be fun but it's great great to have a half hour of star wars each week to watch i'm not sure where they're at with their season i think they may be kind of winding down there may be only a couple episodes left I'll have to look. I know this was uh, maybe episode 16, 17 they've just played for the season. So I, I think they do about 20, something like that. I'll have to look it up. But, uh, yeah, that uh, it's been a great series uh, so far. And I, I look forward to it each week. So I think uh, that's about it, television. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we, we've got some really good stuff on. And, and the, the, Oh, I know I wanted to say a little bit of... Uh, kind of my support and news and information. But there, a lot of these series, these genre shows that are on right now are, are really not, the ratings have not been that great. And there, there's definitely three at least that are in danger of being canceled. That would be V, uh, The Cape, and No Ordinary Family. Uh, you know, the, there's we're really fortunate these days. There's a lot of people I think maybe that uh, are out there, maybe listening, maybe not a lot, but but some of you, you know, back when I was growing up, back uh, even you know twenty years ago, there there wasn't much on. We we got some syndicated shows like when when the when the Trek series were on, like TNG and Deep Space Nine. But Deep Space Nine, excuse me. But uh, on network TV, it was still pretty scarce to have this many genre type shows. You know, sci fi or fantasy series. And if we lose all of these, you know, we'll be left with uh, Fringe. 
you know, maybe something on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, I should mention that the new Being Human uh, Sci-Fi version. I know there was a, is a very good uh, BBC version too out there that I haven't had a chance to watch yet. But I, I, I jumped on and started watching the Sci-Fi version. This is airing on Monday nights on the Sci-Fi Channel. I, I'm really enjoying it. You know, this is the story of a werewolf, a vampire, and a ghost kind of all living together in this in this one little apartment uh, place. And just the things they get involved with. And it's got a certain kind of tone to it that I really like, and I'm enjoying it. And the other show that I want to start catching up on, well, there's only been a couple episodes, a new series on BBC uh, called Outcasts. Jamie Bamber from Battlestar Galactic is on it. It's basically uh, some people, it's in, it's set in the future, and some people from Earth have, have um, colonized this planet. Uh, I don't know that much about it. I know the, the planet's far away from Earth, or they're five years of travel or something to get there. I haven't watched it yet. I, I'm still um, haven't had a chance to get it to, uh, I think there's been maybe two episodes, two or three episodes that have come out so far called Outcasts, uh, BBC, look for that. Uh, it looks interesting that the previews that I saw for it on YouTube gave it kind of a Earth 2 vibe, I thought. So uh, that uh, was, uh, you know, it looks like it's interesting, and from the guys in the UK that have watched it that have been talking on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, it looks like it's a pretty good show, so I'll have to check that out too. So, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, you know, we've got, uh, we're, we're really lucky in this day to have all this stuff on television, but if these shows keep failing, you know, V has only been on for a year, or, you know, two years now, two seasons, or I don't even consider last season a season. I mean, it was like four episodes or whatever, right? And they've done this season. So when they're done, I'd call it a season worth. But I, I really am scared that that show is going to go away too. I mean, I'm kind of okay on that show. That's not a big favorite of mine, but I, I you know, I watch it each week and it's all right. I, I have heard though that they are going to, uh, they're going to end that series in in a cliffhanger this season. So if they don't come back, it's going to be kind of disappointing, you know, to the big fans of it. So it's. Who knows what will happen if these shows all disappear? I mean, we may start to get into the, you know, the, the back in the day of, of the time of when we didn't get many of these series on the air. So I, I try to support them as much as I can. Obviously, if there's something I really, really don't like, I won't watch. But I think these shows all have potential, all have a lot going for them. And I also think that people should think and keep in mind and realize that Series, for the most part, you don't start off being, you know, firing on all cylinders and being as great as they could be. Most series take a couple of seasons at least to really develop into, if you think of the, the you know, some of the great series that we all like, like TNG, I would even throw in maybe Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, you know, that lasted multiple seasons. The really, really good, meaty, good, great stuff happened a, a few years into the series, so it's just, uh, you know, obviously it takes some time to develop the characters, the storylines and all that. And, uh, it's, it's just the way it is, I guess. So next, uh, I'm going to take a little break. I think right here, I'll come back with a little bit more news and info. I have a big contest that I want to announce here on the podcast. And, uh, I think you're going to really look, uh, or like that, uh, actually in a way, a couple of contests, but take a break. Uh, I'll be back in a moment. Let's go, Junior. Quit calling me that. What, what is this, this Junior? Latchish name. Henry Jones Junior. I like Rico. We named the dog Rico. I got a lot of fond memories of that dog. 
Ha <laughs> you are named after the dog? Alright, I'm back. Obviously, right? <laughs> I've got a contest that I want to tell everyone about. There, there's two things. One, if you're a forum member, that uh, this has been going for the last couple of weeks and is still going, uh, there is a Oscar uh, Academy Awards contest going uh, with a little prize pack and details on the forum. Make sure you send in. Well, basically, what I did is you have to send in your entry for your Oscar picks prior to the Oscar Academy Awards, the Oscar ceremonies uh, coming up at the end of this month, the last Sunday of February, it will be airing. So if you send uh, your picks for the Oscar winners, I think I only picked the, like, the first seven categories or so, the main ones, then uh, the one that has the most uh, answers correct will win a little nice uh, kind of grab bag of things that I have, uh, a couple action figures, maybe a book or two, CD or something like that. I will send that out to you uh, for the winner. If there's a tie of some kind, I will uh, have to roll a, a dice of some kind to pick uh, the real winner or the, the final winner. The other really big contest, this is, I think, going to be very cool for someone to win. I was contacted again. I, I gave away a, a Blu-ray DVD set of Space 1999 not too long back uh, via, I believe I announced that. That was all going through for the podcast, I think. I don't think that was just a forum thing. Uh, these things all run together after a while. Anyway, <laughs> someone at attentionusa.com, they have a... Uh, uh, an awesome uh, Blu-ray pack of, it contains the first season of Space 1999 on Blu-ray, along with the complete uh, The Prisoner collection. So you get The Prisoner, that classic, uh, see, uh, it was done in the summer of 68 uh, from British TV, The Prisoner with Patrick McGowan. Uh, is that how you say his name, McGowan? Anyway, I'm sorry if I'm not getting it. But it's an awesome series, and, and both in that and Space 1999, both on Blu-ray as a package set. All you need to do to enter this contest, and it's only going to go for the next week, I'm going to announce the winner of this contest next week on, on the podcast, is you need to send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. And you need to have in the subject line of the email needs to say, I am not a number. I am not a number. Because that was the big line that Patrick would always say in the Prisoner series that, you know, he would yell out. It was, if you haven't seen that series, it's impossible for me to really explain it. I really should do sometime podcast. Maybe someone would like to do that. One of our UK guys. But that's uh, what you got to do. An email to treksf at gmail.com saying, I am not a number in the, uh, the subject line of the email, and you will be entered in that contest. Now, uh, one little caveat, I, I hate to say this because these are both uh, series that I'm sure our UK and overseas people would like, but this, this is limited because they're going to be shipping the package rate from them out to the winner. Uh, it's limited to the U.S. and Canada. So Canadian guys, Joe and whoever else is up there listening, you guys are, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, Jedi Jeff. Okay. Anyway, you guys are available to enter this contest and everyone in the U.S., of course, too. So that's that's because of shipping purposes. Sorry, you guys overseas. I apologize, and, and we'll, we'll try to get... Well, the, the other contest, the Oscar contest, I open that up to everyone, so you guys can enter that. Um, so, there we go. Make sure you get that email to me by next week's podcast, and you will be in the contest to win that great Blu-ray double pack of uh, just awesome stuff. I really want to get those series on Blu-ray. I wish I could enter my own contest. <laughs> 
All right, let's give you a little Trek news uh, that um, I just actually read about this this morning as I was prepping for the show. It looks like the guys working on or- Orsi and uh, Kurtzman, the guys working on this Trek script for the next movie, which is due out in June of 2012, uh, you know, a little less than a year and a half away. They say they're going to have the script done in about the next four to six weeks towards uh, the end of March. Uh, they're going to finish the script. And which is good, because you need a script to make a movie. <laughs> Guys, you're sure taking your time is all I can say. Come on, man. Get you know, get going. Uh, give me give me a call. I'll help I'll help you out. Uh, the there is some also talk, uh, mostly from Simon Pegg, I think via Twitter and a couple other things. And due to the schedules of the cast, it's looking like a late summer, maybe August-ish uh, start for shooting, which would mean they'd be shooting this movie, uh, you know, nine months or so, what, nine, ten months away from when it would be released, which to me is just way short. I'm, I'm just shocked at that. I don't know how much pre-production and effects and other things they can do, you know, before they're actually shooting the movie. But, uh, boy, they're really going to have to hustle on this one. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I actually, frankly, would would be okay with them delaying the release a little bit. I, I, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. They've had that date locked in a long time. But man, there is a lot of other stuff that's already showing up to be released around that same time frame. Uh, the biggest one that I know of right now is the next Spider-Man movie that they've been filming is going to be released just a few days after Star Trek, um, whatever it's going to be called, Star Trek Twelve. Uh, so. That is uh, what I wanted to pass on for that. There's a new Star Trek comic book that's out this week. Uh, Star Trek Infestation just released the first issue of that. That's in stores. Uh, If you haven't seen, there's a viral video going around. Uh, Just search YouTube for Star Trek Girl. It's this young, uh, you know, she's not that young. Looks like a teenager, you know, high school girl singing with some friends of hers in the background. I've posted it. It's been posted on the uh, forums. Uh, It's it's a fun little song. They do a great job, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool to watch. So that is becoming a pretty big hit on the internet. So you know, it just goes to show you what just you know what's so great about the internet is somebody can just you know put on some Star Trek uniforms, you know, have have a good time and, and put up a video and have the world watch it if they'd like. So some people probably shouldn't do that, <laughs> but uh, it, it's a, it's always fun to see, and it's, it's a great way for fans to be able to connect with other people and other fans out there, you know. It's not like, it, again, the old days when there were conventions and the only time you could see people in their costumes or doing crazy, goofy stuff was when you went to a convention. Uh, it's uh, it's great. I love it. Uh, so I think that's the main bit of news and information and all, all the other gobbledygook uh, that I wanted to get off uh, before we uh, get into the main topic this week, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Hey, you know what? That's it. I'm done. Let's get to the movie. <laughs> Let's get to the movie right now. I am going to play um, just a little clip here, I think, to start us off. And then I'll be back to really dig into this third of the original trilogy, we'll call it, of the indie films. On Wednesday, May 24th, Paramount Pictures invites you to have the adventure of your life. Dad! Ah, Dad! Ah! Keeping up with the Joneses. Are you crazy? Don't go between them! Go between them! Are you crazy? Harrison Ford. 
Sean Connery. You call this archaeology? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, May 24th at theaters everywhere. Okay, that gives you uh, just a nice taste, a little short trailer bit of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now this is the, like I said, the third of the Indiana Jones films. This came out, was first released in... May uh, or May twenty on May twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine. So it is now what? Let's do some quick math. Twenty two. It's going to be twenty two years since this movie came out this summer. Yeah, it it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Actually, I, I saw this at a, an older movie theater in Michigan. Uh, it was probably maybe seven eight years ago. There was an old movie theater that was showing it, and I went to see it again on the big screen, which was a lot of fun. I, I I know Rick Moyer has had that opportunity with recently with the Wrath of Khan at a local movie theater out where he is, and it, it you know it's nice when you get a chance to see these rather than just even no matter how good your home theater is always good to see it in an audience in a movie theater, but I can still remember seeing it my uh, myself in the theaters. This movie, the basic uh, premise of this movie obviously is is Indy's out searching for uh, the Holy Grail. The, he's also kind of searching for his father, too, which we get in this movie. We get introduced to Henry Jones Sr., who is played by Sean Connery. So we, we, we have a great guest star. Most of the main cast that we've seen before, uh, Sala and Marcus, are back, along with some new characters, too, which I'll be talking about as we go through the podcast. Uh, this movie, I was thinking before I started the podcast that, you know, Everyone always likes to put movies in order, you know, when there's a group of them, a trilogy or, you know, a series of films. They say, well, which one's your favorite? Which one's your next? And, I, you know, I, I obviously like Raiders of the Lost Ark probably the best. I mean, it just, it was so out of no, you know, just out of the blue. It has such a great feel to it. It's such a, a well put together movie for a variety of reasons. It's it's just, it's a near perfect movie to me. And, you know, The Temple of the Doom and this one, uh, The Last Crusade, I think to me are both enjoyable for different reasons. They both have, they each have a different, kind of a different feel to it. I'm probably not going to say which one I like more than the other. I don't know. Maybe this one has a slight edge over Temple of Doom, if, you know, but it's not, at the end of the day, it's not really that important. I know there's a lot of people out there that really seem to be down on Temple of Doom. And and that leads into a little bit of background and information about this uh, particular movie about the Last Crusade. One of the things that Steven Spielberg has always kind of said is he kind of, uh, he did this movie for two reasons, he always says. He, he said he did the movie both to complete, he had a three-picture deal. They had a three-picture sort of commitment to the studio to do three indie movies. So that obviously had to be settled. And the other uh, part of it was that he was trying to make up for some of the criticisms and things that the uh, the Temple of Doom uh, fell up, you know, what fell upon that movie. Which, I, again, I, I think as we look back at it them now, I don't feel that way, and I, I didn't when it came out. And I, and I think there's a lot of people that have kind of changed their tune a little bit. The interesting thing when I was doing some background and lo- looking online about stuff about the Last Crusade is there are a lot of movie reviewers, actual critics, professional movie reviewers when the Last Crusade crusade came out that didn't like it they 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 ripped it up quite a bit (laughs) they said it was just a bunch of chases and it didn't have much soul or heart to it and i don't know what movie they saw that's not the movie i saw i thought this movie has a lot of heart especially with the relationship between indy and his father i think is a great thing to pull into this 
another bit of background that other people you may have heard of, all this stuff that I give people on, on the podcast, some of the stuff you guys are obviously, some people may have heard of it, others may not. One of the things that um, Steven Spielberg also had always wanted to do, and I think George Lucas as well, they always had wanted to work on a James Bond movie. They'd always had that idea that it would be very cool to do that. So one of the things when they created the Indiana, Indiana Jones film series was they kind of gave him sort of, sort of James Bond kind of isk, you know, you know, certain traits or trademarks. For example, you know, Indy's really good in a fight. James Bond's good in a fight. Indy's pretty pretty smooth with the ladies. Uh, of course, James Bond is. There's a lot of chases. There's a lot of elements in James Bond that you can see in the indie in the indie movies themselves. So, uh, the the connection there was when they went about trying to figure out who to cast for Indy's father. Their first choice then the number one pick above anyone else was sean connery i mean who better than to play uh indy's father than than the you know who played james bond originally in the movie so it was you know perfect perfect casting the interesting thing is is these guys sean connery and harrison ford are only like i think it's 12 years in age apart between them so there, there's not a there's not a really big age difference not enough to be father and son really Although they they used when they when they filmed it, I think Harrison Ford was like in his mid forties when they filmed this movie, and and that I think that would have put uh, I think it was like forty six and uh, forty six for Harrison Ford and like fifty eight for Sean Connery when they did this film. But they, you know Sean Connery is kind of w- was balding for a long time, you know, and he wore toupees I think you know in various movies over the years, so they. They didn't, you know, obviously have him wear a toupee. He has a beard, you know, a very salt and pepper beard in this movie. So, and and just the way he dresses and acts, you, you you certainly don't. I don't think at all ever when you're watching this film, feel that he's that close to age of Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's doing all the, the tough stuff, the fighting, the jumping, the the horseback riding, you know, the, all the crazy tank chases that you know things in this movie. So you're okay with, I think, the fact that this is a father and son team. Okay. Let's get into and I and I'll spread out the you know back behind the scenes and trivia stuff uh, as we go. I'll, one thing I'll probably say here too before we get going. One, one last bit of that is the the this this probably story and script and 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 what they wanted to do for this movie went through uh, just tons of changes and tons of of script writers and and Chris Columbus was one of them and a bunch of other people between the time when they first started to work on the movie. And then when they uh, they finally you know came up with the finished product, for example, the big thing that uh, George Lucas wanted to do at first for this film was he wanted to do it set it in like a haunted mansion. He he had that uh, as an idea. You know he thought it'd be cool to have Indy in there and work through all the different ghosts and and, and traps and and stuff like that. But Steven Spielberg had just worked on Poltergeist, so he wasn't really up to do or wanted to do wanting to do another ghost type movie so they 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 slowly work their way towards this idea of the holy grail story Uh, it had a few other elements too there was at one point it was going to involve some trips to uh areas in africa and in other places but that didn't work out they they changed that again lots of stuff online you can find of, of different you know different things that they were first thinking about to do in this movie that change there's also i'm hoping at some point in time and and I still can't believe it. You know, we we still don't have these movies out on Blu-ray. Some like complete Indiana Jones collection. They did Crystal Skull on Blu-ray. 
but the uh, you know the first trilogy isn't so i'm really hoping we get we are getting of course the star wars movies on blu-ray and i'm hoping that lucas and those guys are are also going to give us the indie movies because this movie also has a lot of footage uh, quite a quite a few scenes and things that they cut out of the movie that have never been seen so i'm hoping we get a chance to see that stuff at some point in time on a blu-ray edition of the last crusade and all the indie movies so that uh, I guess gives into my uh, my prelude for the movie. It's always tricky to balance out, you know, what I'm going to say at the beginning, during, and after, and all that. But I think that gives you some good background. And let's get into some clips. I, I captured about maybe about ten clips from the movie itself, and I'm going to sprinkle those through the show. We've also got some listener comments as well, and I'll probably save most of those towards the end of uh, my discussion. First up, the movie starts out in Utah, 1912, and and this is, I think one of the things that, one of my favorite parts of all the Indiana Jones movies is I love the first five to ten minutes of the movies. Crystal Skull included, to me, always the first ten minutes or so, the the, the beginnings of the indie movies are, are fantastic. I love the way they bring you into the movie, and this one's no exception. What we get here, they, they sort of trick us, even though the date is flashed on the screen, you know, the, you you see this guy and these people sort of doing, you know, digging in this in this sort of tomb in this in this underground area, and you see a guy in a leather jacket and he's got a hat on, and you go, oh, well, there's Indy. He's what's what's he up to now? But it's not Indy. It's another guy that's kind of dressed and looks like Indy. And what you see is a young Indiana Jones who's supposed to be about I think he's about supposed to be about thirteen or so here, played by River Phoenix, and. He is, that's actually Indy, because one of those Boy Scout buddies is there, and he's like, Indy, Indiana, what what, what are we going to do, or whatever, and then you learn that this is Indiana Jones as a young boy, and this also is what of sort of inspired uh, George Lucas to eventually create the young Indiana Jones Chronicles was, was this little bit, and I think it's fantastic. It's great that we get to see Indy as a boy, and you get to learn in this first few minutes a lot of his trademark uh, things that that he, you know, that we've we've come to expect from Indy, his use of a whip, the hat, a, a lot of things you see here, his fear of snakes, get we get just, you know, blasted with all that in the first few minutes of the movie, and it's great. Oh, look at that. Wow! We're rich. We're rich. We're rich. Wow! What are they doing? Indiana. Indiana. Shh. It's the class of Coronado. Cortez gave it to him in 1520. That cross is an important artifact. It belongs in a museum. Run back and find the others. Tell Mr. Havelock that there are men living in the caves. Have him bring the sheriff. It's only a snake. Did you hear what I said? Right. Run back, Mr. Havelock, the sheriff. What, what are you going to do? Think of something. Think with your hands. That was your mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
ready! Everybody's lost but me. Yeah, again, so that's the late uh, River Phoenix uh, playing Indiana Jones uh, as a young boy there, Boy Scout. Uh, and, and a couple things there. Steven Spielberg is an Eagle Scout, actually. And, and that was one of the reasons why he wanted to use scouting here in the movie. A couple other things. They had originally had the idea that the, the guy that was getting that cross, getting the cross of Coronado in the tomb, was going to be Abner Ravenwood. Uh, Marion's father was going to be the first guy that uh, Indy, or that's when he was going to first meet uh, Abner in this. And But they decided to just use this sort of generic kind of guy who looks a little like Indy as an adult and sort of inspires Indy to be this sort of, you know, college professor slash adventurer archaeologist to a degree. So I think that's a, a pretty cool thing. And obviously Indy, we learned here, has a father who is very into archaeology and that and, and knows a lot of things about history and, and that and is also a big inspiration for Indy as well. So that's uh, I thought was an interesting little uh, twist there in, in the storyline that they were thinking of using Abner instead for that uh, initial guy there. small for two of us. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. Throw him over the side. So the, the, we flash to more of the present, and we get an older Indiana Jones still trying to get that cross back from this guy that's been trying to uh, keep it away. And Indy's like, it's got to, it belongs in a museum, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's great. It's, a, it's great how they parallel the two, the two areas. Oh, I wanted to say back when, when Indy's a young uh, boy, a couple other things I forgot to say about that. Uh, obviously, you see him use the whip. He cuts his... Um, cuts himself on the chin with it and that's where uh, they they try to say Indy got his little chin scar from but Harrison Ford actually got it in an accident when he was very you know fairly young I think I read uh, is where that came from not from a whip uh, keeping a lion away <laughs> obviously uh, but uh, the other thing about the dog you, uh, you know we learn later in the at the end of the movie and I've got a clip of course for it but uh, you, you learn that a uh, Eventually, we learn that that Indy is not really Indiana. He's Henry Jones Jr. is his name, but he took the name Indiana from the dog that they have. And the the big dog story, the big Indiana thing, is that uh, George Lucas has this Alaskan or had this Alaskan Malamute at the time named Indiana. He had this big Alaskan dog that used to hang out on the, you know, while he wrote the scripts and all that kind of stuff. And in the scene there with young Indiana in this movie. When, when he right, races into the house with the cross, uh, you'll see a dog kind of sitting on the floor there, and that's that's the dog. That's their dog named Indiana in the movie. So I thought that was a nice little touch, and I'm a big dog person, so I like that stuff. We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> Just a fantastic line. I mean, it, it always gets used all the time. Okay, 
Next clip. Uh, we're, let's move on into the movie a little bit. We 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 have Indiana then meeting up with this guy at a kind of a dinner party thing, and they have a, a piece of this tablet that's got some markings and information about the Holy Grail on it. So here's a clip from that time. Hard to resist, isn't it? The Holy Grail's final resting place, described in detail. What good is it? This Grail tablet speaks of deserts and mountains and canyons. Pretty vague. Where do you want to start looking? Maybe if the tablet were intact, you'd have something to go on, but the entire top portion is missing. Just the same, an attempt to recover the Grail is currently underway. Let me tell you another bedtime story, Dr. Jones. After the Grail was entrusted to Joseph of Arimathea, it disappeared and was lost for a thousand years before it was found again by three knights of the First Crusade. Three brothers, to be exact. I've heard this one as well. Two of these brothers walked out of the desert 150 years after having found the Grail and began the long journey back to France, but only one of them made it. And before dying of extreme old age, he supposedly imparted his tale to a... to a Franciscan friar, I think. Not supposedly, Dr. Jones. This is the manuscript in which the friar chronicled the knight's story. It doesn't reveal the location of the grail, I'm afraid, but the knight promised that two markers that had been left behind would. This tablet is one of those markers. It proves the knight's story is true. But as you pointed out, it's incomplete. Now, the second marker is entombed with the knight's dead brother. Our project leader believes that tomb to be located within the city of Venice, Italy. As you can now see, Dr. Jones, we're about to complete a great quest that began almost 2,000 years ago. We're only one step away. That's usually when the ground falls out from underneath your feet. You could be more right than you know. Yes? We've hit a snag. Our project leader has vanished, along with all his research. We received a cable from his colleague, Dr. Schneider, who has no idea of his whereabouts or what's become of him. I want you to pick up the trail where he left off. Find the man, and you will find the grail. You've got the wrong Jones, Mr. Donovan. <laughs> Why don't you try my father? We already have. Your father is the man who's disappeared. Yeah, that guy there is uh, actor Julian Glover. He is playing a character named Walter Donovan in this movie and he is the one that sets uh, Indy out on the this quest to to find the grail also to find his lost father because we learned that that Donovan first hired Indy's dad who is more of a grail expert really than Indy is it's been his sort of his his just obsession for all of his life he's got this little grail diary book where he keeps all of his notes and information on the holy grail and his father that's what was working for Donovan at first to find this uh, this you know, relic, and and in, and he goes missing. So they bring Indiana into the picture then, which is a nice little. It's great the way this movie all brings those elements together, and it fits real well. So that sets Indy off, and Marcus Brody, his friend, they go off to Venice, to Italy, to investigate where his what happened to his father, and to meet up with uh, Elsa. Uh, Venice. How will we recognize this Dr. Schneider when we see him? I don't know. Maybe he'll know us. Dr. Jones? Yes. I knew it was you. 
You have your father's eyes. And my mother's ears. But the rest belongs to you. Looks like the best parts have already been spoken for. Marcus Brody? That's right. Dr. Elsa Schneider. How do you do? The last time I saw your father, we were in the library. He was very close to tracking down the night's tomb. <laughs> I've never seen him so excited. He was as giddy as a schoolboy. Oh, Tiller, the professor? He was never giddy, even when he was a schoolboy. Fraulein, do you permit me? I usually don't. I usually don't either. In that case, I permit you. It would make me very happy. But I'm already sad. By tomorrow, it will have faded. Tomorrow, I'll steal you. I hate to interrupt you, but the reason we're here... Yes, I have something to show you. I left your father working in the library. He sent me to the map section to pitch an ancient plan of the city. When I got back to his table, he'd gone with all his papers, except for that scrap which I found near his chair. Roman numerals. Yeah, that's actress Allison Duty playing Elsa, and and she, uh, you know, she does a pretty good job as as the, the female in this movie. Uh, you know, we we had uh, Kate Capshaw in, in Temple of Doom and Karen Allen as Marion in the first Raiders movie. So, you know, they're always usually given a female love interest type character for the indie movies. And, and Elsa does a pretty good job. She turns out to be sort of a, a, a traitor, though, in the end. She's German and she's working for, uh, you know, basically for Donovan and, and it betrays Indy and his father at one point. There's also this little kind of, you know, situation between the you know, kind of a love interest thing and then it turns out that maybe uh, Indy's father uh, had a thing for Elsa too which was kind of interesting very James Bond thing I thought uh, the, to pull that idea out you know where there's this older guy and this young hot blonde girl you know kind of uh, you know whatever was going on between them they, they don't really come out and spell it out exactly except Sean Connery smirks and grins about it a lot in this movie uh, you know, there's. It's difficult always sometimes with the indie movies to to capture certain clips related to the plot because there's so much that's action and chasing. And there's some chase scenes around Venice. There's some. There's a a scene with they go down in the sewer under the library with rats. You know that are uh, they don't bother Indy like snakes do, but you learn that they do bother his father, which was kind of you know they each have their sort of weakness or their kryptonite. We we learn which is kind of interesting i thought and, and and something that's a little you know each each has their own little thing in uniqueness about them and then there's a there's some pretty cool scenes here with indiana boat uh, there's a couple of boats in a chase in the, in the venice canal area which they actually had to they got permission to uh to get control of that canal in venice when they filmed this for for like a good part of a day which is pretty unheard of you know they don't really give that uh, opportunity out there to just anyone so i thought that was kind of cool that they let these guys uh do that and and film their movie that way then the uh the next clip i think i've got for you yeah there's a uh it's kind of a little romantic scene between uh indy and elsa in a, in the hotel and, and it's again kind of rem reminiscent of some of the stuff we've seen happen before especially there was that scene uh, in when they were uh, staying in that uh, place with the monkey brains and all in Temple of Doom, uh, you know, between Kate Capshaw and Harrison Ford, that 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 little romantic interlude. So there's sort of a parallel on another one here with, with uh, Elsa and Indy. You'd still be standing at the Venice Pier. What do you think is going on here? Since I met you, I've nearly been incinerated, drowned, shot at, and chopped into fish bait. We're caught in the middle of something sinister here. My guess is Dad found out more than he was looking for. And until I'm sure, 
I'm going to continue to do things the way I think they should be done. How dare you kiss me? Leave me alone. I don't like fast women. And I hate arrogant men. Yeah, so that's a fun little scene there between uh, Elsa and Indy in the in the Venice Hotel. Ah, Venice! It'd be great to visit there sometime. I'll hear it's. Uh, I hear the town's going to be underwater at some point. Uh, just it looks great and all those canals and everything, but it's it's basically <laughs> drowning or sinking, uh, in, you know, in, into um, the ocean. All right, next up, let's see. We're into when they make their way to the castle. Hey, he gets some information, Indy does, and, and that sets him off to a, a castle that's sort of near the Austrian and German border where they learn or have uh, been told that that's where Indy's father is being held. And Indy, uh, you know, heads there with Elsa to rescue him. Of course, at this point, Indy still believes Elsa and thinks she's on his side and all that. And she kind of is in a way, but, you know, she's got some, got some other motives there. So we've got... Um, I think the next clip here is when we get introduced for the first time into to or into to Henry Jones Sr. Indy. Indy. Don't worry. This is kid's play. I'll be right back. You, Junior. Don't call me that, please. Well, what are you doing here? I came to get you. What do you think? Late 14th century Ming Dynasty. Oh, it breaks the heart. And the head. You hit me, Dad. I'll never forgive myself. Yeah, that's that's great. The um, the scenes when with uh, Harrison and Sean Connery just really really work in this movie. These guys get along real well. I, I also forgot. I was thinking during playing that clip, I forgot to say some of the stuff a little bit more about River Phoenix going way back to the beginning. But the only thing I wanted to mention is is that when he was given the task to play young Indiana, he didn't really study the Indiana Jones movies so much. He said at the time. He studied Harrison Ford and his mannerisms and stuff, and I, I just think he just did a perfect job of capturing what like a young Indiana Jones or a young Harrison Ford probably would have been like. So just wanted to get that in before I forgot about it. Uh, uh, also, a little bit more background information. We'll get back to the clips here in a moment. This movie only cost only cost about $55 million to make, and it has made now almost $500 million. Uh, so that's not a bad return uh, on a movie, I think. Um, but uh, let's get back to the story. The next clip, 
And then uh, they eventually, of course, you know, Indiana and his father, Henry, get away from the Germans. Uh, I wanted to say something a little bit about Henry's outfit. They wanted to give him a very professor-type look, kind of like, uh, you know, Indy really has, except when he's out on his adventures where he puts on the, you know, the alternate alter ego and he puts on the, you know, his, his jacket and his hat and grabs his whip and his gun and all but those glasses that uh, he thought it was important, the, the costume designer thought it was important that Sean Connery wore glasses for this. It, you know, made him look a little older, too. And those were uh, specially made glasses. They didn't really want to interfere with seeing uh, Sean Connery's eyes. So they had, you'll notice that the glasses are rimless. There's no frames really about them. They're just a big circle of glass basically over his eyes in this. And they said it was very important because Sean Connery tends to use, you know, like any good actor will use his eyes a lot in in, in the way he you know, acts and, and works a scene. And they thought that was important for him to have his eyes completely visible and not be hidden by a pair of glasses too much. So I thought that was pretty cool. Next up, this is, uh, when they get away, they, they hop into this little two-seater motorcycle thing. Uh, Indiana is driving, and they're trying to decide what to do next. And there's a nice little clip and speech here by uh, pretty much by Henry telling his son about you know really what they should do and that they can't let 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 the Nazis get this and Hitler get this you know grail because because it's it, it's a bad thing. <laughs> the quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. If it is captured by the Nazis, the armies of darkness will march all over the face of the earth. Do you understand me? This is an obsession, Dad. I never understood it. Never. Neither did Mom. Oh, yes, she did. Only too well. Unfortunately, she kept her illness from me. All I could do was mourn her. Yeah, it's a good, good clip. And one of the, to me, the one of the biggest charms and biggest things that I enjoy about this movie is that the the conversations that Indy and and his father have and Henry have together. I think that that makes this movie really work and work well. You know, it's a tricky thing. Indiana Jones is, except for maybe a female uh, love interest slash sidekick, and and he had short round, I guess, in the in the second movie. But he's more of a solo act for the most part. But but this movie, he his father really helps him out both in finding the Grail, and, and in, you know, in, in everything that goes on once they once they finally meet up. And uh, and I like also like the fact that that Indy, even though he's older and experienced, and he's he's a, a very, you know capable archaeologist of his own and, and all of that but you you can see the respect that he still has for his father in this movie and there's this little bit of um they, there's a little bit of a rift too you, you pick that up in that clip but you know you, you could see that maybe their relationship has not been the best and in Indy, I think, seems to have some resentment towards his father about how his father dealt with his mother, who is not a lot around anymore. But there's 
they, they definitely don't have the best relationship and that, that you get that in this movie and it comes out a bit but by the end of it you know they they kind of work things out and get a little bit better and and you can see that they really care and love each other quite a bit too at several parts in this movie and i'll i'll talk more about that here in a, a couple minutes uh next up i i kind of move through most of the next action stuff eventually they they get their way um to berlin they get the grail diary back uh which, which is an awesome uh item by the way i wish somebody would put out like a, a an official replica of that Go over at the replica prop forum a lot of guys have painstakingly taken the pages of, of you know the quick flip throughs you see of the grail diary that that henry has made over the years they have made their replica replicas of the grail diary and and kind of unofficially put out uh you know very very much uh, matching what you see in the movie which is pretty cool and these guys have, have done a fantastic job just uh creating their own uh grail diary replicas so but it would be great to have one of those at some point in time to add to my growing indiana jones uh collection of collectibles collection of collectibles <laughs> okay let's get back to the movie so uh, this gets us eventually to this um what is it uh what is it called this temple is there a name for it i'm trying to recall the the canyon the crescent moon i think uh but they get to the temple and what they find here donovan's there elsa's there indy gets uh marcus back so they're they're kind of together and, and everyone's there all together in this in this place at the end of this search for the grail and what, what's going on is there are all these traps there are traps that these nazi soldiers are being sent through and pretty much sent through their to their death because they're all die, they're all setting off the traps they're not they don't know how to get through them so donovan uh decides well now that indiana jones is here let, let's give him a little incentive to go find this holy grail which is, of course, supposed to give whoever drinks it, you know, eternal life and all of that. So uh, his way of doing this is a little dramatic, and that's in this next clip. The Nazis want to write themselves into the Grail legend. Take on the world. Well, they're welcome. But I want the Grail itself. The cup that gives everlasting life. Hitler can have the world, but he can't take it with him. I'm going to be drinking my own health when he's gone the way of the dodo. The grail is mine. And you're going to get it for me. Shooting me won't get you anywhere. You know something, Dr. Jones? You're absolutely right. Dad. Dad. Junior. No! Get back! when you're dead. The healing power of the Grail is the only thing that can save your father now. It's time to ask yourself what you believe. Yeah, so Henry gets shot, which, you know, the first time I saw that, you know, it's pretty shocking because you really get to care about him. You know, this is this is Indiana, uh, Indiana's, Indy's father, and and, and then he gets shot, and you're just like, oh, holy crap, you know? <laughs> it's like, 
oh my gosh, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's nasty. And the guy just shoots him blank. You know, it's like, and that doesn't happen in movies too much. You know, Indy always has a way of working his way out of it. You know, things he gets beat up, he gets scraped, he gets shot at. You know, he gets hurt a lot, but but nobody ever really just gets point out. You know, five feet away from him, just bang, shot. So so then this goes into you know, Indy's about ready to kill Donovan, but he realizes that he needs to get the Grail if he has any chance of saving his father. If it really could do something to help him. So then Indy goes off in to the uh, through the traps that are, are set there in place to keep the grail keep the grail keep the grail protected you know so I don't know what accent that was sorry uh, <laughs> it, but uh, I didn't capture a lot of that at all really the clips because it's kind of tricky and but I wanted to point out I, I love the way that Spielberg and these guys wrote and and, and directed this little thing where you see Indy doing and getting through the traps and his father there who's laying on the ground and bleeding from the bullet wound. He, he's kind of going through. He's got the grail and, and information in the diary memorized so well that he can kind of, he's using what he knows and, and kind of mumbling it and speaking it out while Indy's doing it. And, it. and it's a great way they film it and edit it all together into these scenes where, you know, the penitent man, you know, where he has to kneel down and then he has to take this leap of faith across this bridge that's nearly invisible and all that. So that leads Indy into this inner chamber area, which is where he meets this last night, uh, you know, the last crusade and and he's protecting all these cups, the, the grail, basically. He's protecting it. And, and of course, in true, you know, you know, you know, it would be too easy if there was just, uh, you know, this pedestal with one cup sitting on it, but there's a whole bunch of them all over the place. And, and I think I'd read some stories about, you know, they scoured all the, you know, local areas and all everything as much to find as many kind of golden looking cups as they could to do this scene. And, you know, there's literally like probably a couple hundred of them there. Maybe not that many. I don't know. But there are a lot. And Donovan and Elsa work their way in once Indy's kind of worked his way through the traps, which I, you know, that that part always kind of bugged me a little bit. It's like they didn't really see Indy do those tra traps, did they? I, I, I mean, if, I don't know, it just seemed a little simple for them to just pop right in there behind him. But I guess it, it, it was necessary for the story because then what happens is they're trying, you know, the knight saying, you know, choose a cup, but choose wisely. And Elsa goes over and Donovan's like, well, I don't know which one. I don't know anything about this stuff. That's why I got you guys. And he, and he tells Elsa to pick him a cup. And she grabs, you know, this kind of ornate looking cup and hands it to him. He goes over to this little pedestal where there's water in it, scoops some up, drinks it. And uh, things don't go very well for Mr. Donovan after he does that. He chose poorly. be made out of gold. That's the cup of a carpenter. Immortality. 
Yes, he chose poorly, yes. Or she chose really poorly. So that cup is not the right one. And then they will, uh, they pull another cup, you know, Harrison Ford, Indy says something like, you know, he wouldn't have this very ornate looking cup. They, they pick a fairly simple cup. He says he was a carpenter, so he would have a, a fairly basic, nothing fancy, no frills and stuff like that. It's, um, and there's a little reference, kind of a cool little reference there is Harrison Ford uh, made a lot of his living in the early days when he was first starting out in acting as a carpenter. He actually worked on one of the ways he met George Lucas and got hooked up with Star Wars and then eventually the indie movies was uh, he worked as a carpenter on George Lucas's house at one point in time, which is kind of a neat, neat thing. And he gets to sort of use a little line like that in this movie that he wouldn't have fancy stuff. He's a carpenter, you know, so nice little touch there. Uh, and then that kind of wraps it up. I've got one more clip from the movie to play. What happens is that the tomb and everything starts to fall apart and they're trying to make their way out of it. Elsa is reaching for the cup. It falls at one point uh, down this little hole. She reaches for it. She falls in. Indy tries to save her. She wants the cup. She's kind of, you know, greedy and, and really wants it. She reaches out for it, and she falls and dies, which is a little unusual. You know, the female lead type, uh, you know, love interest type character in indie movies doesn't usually die. and uh, But she does here, and, and she was... You know, she wanted it too badly. And, and then there's a, a nice little scene there, too, where Indy's reaching for it, too. He's He wants it. You know, he, he he's a searcher for these kinds of artifacts and relics and things like that, too. So that's that's what he loves. He's reaching for it. But, but Henry, his father, uh, is, you know, says, you know, he calls him Indiana at one, you know, at this point for the first time or for the maybe one of the only times. And, and, you know, he cares about his father and he realizes that that's what's important and he lets it go. So, but the, uh, the next clip here that I'm going to play for you is, is the way this movie ends and the movie ends just, just great. And, uh, well, here's the, here's the clip and, uh, you'll know what I mean. Elsa never really believed in the grail. She thought she'd found a prize. you find dead? Me. Illumination. And what did you find, Junior? Junior? Dad? Please, what does it always mean? This, this Junior? That's his name. Henry Jones Junior. Like Indiana. We're named the dog, Indiana. Maybe go home now, please. The dog? <laughs> you are named after the dog? <laughs> you got a lot of fond memories of that dog. Ready? Ready? Indy, Henry, follow me. I know the way. Ha! Got lost in his own museum, huh? Uh-huh. After you, Junior. Yes, sir.
Yeah, so that's, you know, we, we get to learn a little bit more about Indy. Like I said earlier, he, he, he took the name of the dog because he liked that better than being Junior. He didn't like to be called Junior all that time. And so our, our you know, four guys, Sala and Henry Sr., Henry Jr., Indiana, and Marcus Brody go riding off into the sunset, the last crusade. Of course, Indy would return in eventually Indiana Jones and the, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, yes. Uh, which is an okay movie has has some good moments in it and still uh still cool to see and and who knows maybe we'll get another one another indie movie someday which uh, i think is quite possible they keep talking about it so but that's mostly my look i mean there was a lot of other stuff a lot of other background things that i could talk about uh I didn't. I kind of skipped over the whole uh, scene when they're in the zeppelin, and then they come out of that with in the biplane. There was one little bit of trivia there, as I guess that set was so hot on on the set there when they were filming those scenes uh, when Sean Connery and and Harrison Ford were filming on the on the zeppelin set that they when they're sitting down, especially in that restaurant area, they're actually not wearing any pants at all to stay cool. They they you know they they were sitting down, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. So they're just sitting there and. You know, they're boxers or whatever and, and, and just uh, filming away without any pants on because it was so darn hot in that, uh, on that set. And, and some of that, um, the idea of having this small plane on a, on a Zeppelin, actually, it comes from some re- real stuff. I guess there's, there, are some, uh, there were small Zeppelins at the time that were being used. The United States had some, and, and, and they did have some small planes on them. So that uh, it, it's, it's a believable thing, I guess. I, I, thought, I always thought that was kind of a little bit weird to have that. They, another little side thing is most of the Germans in the German uniforms that were used for the movie were authentic. They were not replicas of, of German uh, military uniforms. They actually were able to find uh, some that were authentic, real uniforms. And the, they're not all that way, but a good portion of what you see in the movie is like that. So... Uh, and that, again, that's about it. It was, uh, it, it, this movie was to me, a, a great way to end the original trilogy. It was also, there was a little bit of a delay. I was going to say this earlier, you know, the, the first indie movie was, I think 81, uh, with Raiders. Then I think it was 84, three years later when we got Temple of Doom, but five, five years went by between that and the last crusade. And, you know, some of that had, you know, had to do with Harrison Ford doing a lot of different projects and both Lucas and Spielberg being pretty busy and coordinating schedules and all of that. But I think also some of the delays were were working on the story and the script and something these guys wanted to do for this movie together. And I think it shows I think they came up with a great movie and I I love it, love watching it and talking about it. And um, with that, I'm going to turn this over to some listener comments now. And first up, we've got, I think, a new... I don't think he's commented before. He's been on the forum a little while now, but this is Will Eagle and his comments about uh, this movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Hello, everybody. This is Will Eagle, 1701 on the forums. I'm new to this, so please bear with me. To start off, I just want to thank Rico for such a great podcast, and you gotta love those songs from Rick. This will be short and sweet. I wanted to make some comments on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I will say this is my favorite of the four Indiana Jones movies. I remember the first copy I got of this film was on VHS, and I got it at McDonald's. I ended up getting all three original movies at McDonald's. I don't know if anybody remembers when they did that or not. Of course, now I have all four of the movies on DVD. Some of my favorite parts are when Indy and his dad are in the castle, and the fire starts. Also, the parts 
when they are in the airship are some of my favorites. I think Harrison Ford and Sean Connery were great together in this movie, and I wish they would have done a lot more of them together. I also really liked the part when Indy backs into Hitler, and Hitler signs the book that the Nazis have been looking for. I thought that was a great part. The last part of the movie was also well done with the German tank. Great stunt work there. And at the end, when they ride off into the sunset. Classic. This is an awesome movie. I did enjoy The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I hope they do another one soon. Keep up the great work, Rico. Well, thanks very much. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, Will. <laughs> thanks very much, Will. I was just drinking some uh, tea and kind of uh, got to make sure you finish swallowing before you start talking, Rico. Duh. Yeah, thanks for your uh, comments. I had forgotten about the whole McDonald's uh, giveaway thing or whatever they were doing, selling them for like a dollar or two at McDonald's. Boy, that that's a while ago. Yeah, it's a great movie, and those are some great scenes that you picked out. You know, I forgot. Also, I didn't mention when I was covering it, but I forgot about the whole the Hitler uh, signing the book thing when Indy gets the book back and, and then, you know, he bumps into, like you said, he backs into Adolf and he's like, he takes the book and just signs it. You know, it's, it's, uh, that's pretty fun. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, next up, we've got another, uh, comment here. This one is from meds and I know he's a big indie fan. So meds, take it away in your comments about the last crusade. Hi Rico, this is uh, Meds, otherwise known as Hawkeye Meds on the forums. Um, I absolutely love uh, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Uh, for me, it's the second best Indiana Jones film, the first one obviously being Raiders. Um, there's so much in this which which makes me smile. Uh, seeing uh, John Rhys Davies back, he's always good. Um, and Sean Connery. He's just brilliant as Henry Jones Sr. Um, I know we'll never get to see um, Henry Jones Sr. again. Obviously, he's, he's died according to the, the latest film. But I think they, if they'd made another Indiana Jones film straight afterwards, or a couple of years afterwards, I think they could have got away with it. Harrison Ford is brilliant again as Indiana. The guy can do no wrong. Um, it's just an all-around great film. And I think that what makes this film really good is the fact it doesn't look as dated as Temple of Doom. I know I've said this before on the forum and also on past podcasts that I think Temple of Doom suffers because it does look like it's made in the mid-80s. The effects aren't very good in that. Yet in this film, everything's brilliant. The the, the writing of the script is, is just fantastic. And the, the the conversations between father and son is is just fantastic. I love their banter together and uh, the, the fact that they both seem to have slept with the same woman. <laughs> Something to talk about uh, over a cup of tea. Anyway, uh, yeah, love this film. Uh, the music's great. Uh, always good to see, you know, uh, India, India battling Nazis. And, uh, and of course, uh, Pat Roach again turns up in this film, a, a great uh, Birmingham-born uh, bloke from my neck of the woods. Um, he only has a small part in this, actually. Uh, he did have a bigger part, and, but he was cut. Um, yeah, love this film, and I uh, can't wait to hear the podcast. Thanks, Rico, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Meds. Thanks for your comments uh, about this movie. I knew you were a big fan, and I knew you'd have have some good things to say yeah pat roach uh yeah it's good that you brought that up he's like you for those who don't know he usually plays the burly guy in these movies like he was the um the guy uh the burly guy that uh, indy fights in rage of the lost ark when marion's trapped inside that uh, plane that's that's spinning around and 
and he's the one that eventually gets chopped into bits by the the propeller. That's Pat Roach, a big guy stuntman, and he turns up in he's he besides uh, I think I think it is besides Harrison Ford. Uh, the three, you know, he's the only one that's turned up in, in all the indie movies. I don't know if he was in Crystal Skull, though. I don't think he was in that. But, uh, yeah, it's great. And, and like you say, John Rhys-Davies is back here as Sala. I, I, I wish, I wish um, you know, they had um, done a little bit more with uh, been able to have another movie at some point with Sean Connery and with Henry in it. I know that there was a lot of talk when Crystal Skull was worked on that they were going to try to, you know, have Sean Connery have a little part in that or something. And I guess they didn't really have a way to work him in very well, so it didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, fantastic, and, and thanks so much for your comments, Meds. And next up, we've got, uh, oh, gosh, you know, it wouldn't be quite right if we didn't have some comments and a new song, an Indiana Jones-type song for everyone from our buddy Rick Moyer. Oh, just, I, I'm I'm just dying. I, I always listen to these, really, I, I make sure the the clip is good, but I, I usually listen to them for the first time when I play them for you guys. So here we go with Rick and his new song for The Last Crusade. Hi Rico, this is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 from the forums and the co-host of Take Him With You, the podcast that's spiritual, not religious. You like my little tagline? Sure. Anyway, so glad that you have reviewed The Last Crusade. Indiana Jones, the movies are spectacular. Big fan of the first Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thought that was a great movie. Didn't like Temple of Doom so much, you know, but I, I watched it. And, you know, there was really some really cool elements in it. But The Last Crusade was such a great movie. And I just I just can't get enough of that movie. I like, I like watching it a bunch. And I think there's some really, really great moments in that movie. And I enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun to see Sean Connery in the movie and just all the different antics that they had. It was it was a classic Indiana Jones movie. So I did a parody song just for everybody out there in the Trex and Sci-Fi listening audience. Thought I would uh, cover uh, ZZ Top's Sharp Dressed Man by doing a, a new song just out, hot off the presses. It's called Penitent Man, and I think you'll understand why right here on Trex and Sci-Fi. Enjoy. Go Indy. What's this one? The Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Are you sure? Oh yeah? 
And who's going to come to save you, Junior? I told you. Don't call me Junior. It's disgraceful. You're old enough to be her, her, her grandfather. I'm as human as the next man. I was the next man. I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. X marks the spot. Great song again, Rick. So fantastic. Uh, the Penitent Man instead of the Sharp Dressed Man. Just great. To, you just Again, Rick, you're just the master. Just the master. Everyone should visit Rick's site over at uh, StarTrekParodies.com where he's got all of his parody songs that you hear on Treks and Sci-Fi most weeks. So that's going to wrap things up this this uh, this week for uh, Podcast uh, 318, folks. I, I hope everyone's enjoyed it. Uh, you know, there's always things I don't get to cover when I do a movie or a TV show or whatever it happens to be. I, I try to keep it kind of well-rounded, give you guys some new things maybe you didn't know about and, and hadn't uh, heard about for the whatever it is, but then cover the story too. So 
again, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you enter that contest, treksf at gmail.com that I talked about earlier. Next week on Treks and Sci-Fi, we're going to be covering a Deep Space Nine episode, Tears of the Prophets, which I think is the last episode of season six of that series. Lots of stuff happening at that point in time in Deep Space Nine. So that should be fun. And in a week after that, I'll be traveling, and it will be Meds who will be here uh, sitting in and covering the Rocky Horror Picture Show film, which I'm really looking forward to, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy that. So uh, I think that's it. That wraps things up. Again, uh, that's about all. Anytime anyone has anything else that they want to comment on and, and review, please send uh, emails, treksf at gmail.com. Go to the main website, treksandsci-fi.com. You can uh, find donation links, uh, register for the forums, whatever you want to do, all kinds of information there. I try to update uh, things on Star Trek and other entertainment. Uh, occasionally, I put stories up there, too. So that's about it, folks. Uh, gosh, I think there was something else I was going to cover, but I can't think of what it was. Oh, how did everybody like the Super Bowl and the commercials last week? I thought they were pretty good. There was some fun stuff in there. The Vader kid was was, was really cute, and I'd seen that before, but I, I think that... Uh, that uh, was was my favorite and the kids from michigan too so what do you know about that must be something about uh you know geeks in michigan that uh we we turn out a lot of them there <laughs> all right everyone take care and i will talk to you again soon bye-bye you've been listening to for more information visit treksinsci-fi.com Write to Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum war. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Treks in sci-fi. At ease before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And energy news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't dispute that. The only podcast where no one has podcast before. Captain Adassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.